Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is a panellist, a former X Factor judge, actress, owner of her own sportswear brand and mother of four... It's Hyda Williams. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Mother of four, it, but you're looking fresh. I, I think that, um, I am not. I think the mother of four, my stomach just dropped. I was like, oh my God, that's right. I have four fucking kids. Wow. It still sounds like a lot when someone else says it. It's a lot in the house, but it's a lot when someone else says it. It's so funny because when people ask me what it's like with three, my feedback is literally, if I was to write a feedback form, it would say, it's a lot. Three yeah. is a lot. So four... Yeah. I don't even know. Four is just like, I was at this birthday party yesterday with my kids and the couple had six kids. I swear to God, every time every time a child walked by, they were like, oh, and that's my son. Like every child was their son. Like there just were so many kids. And I was just trying to like comprehend how you would have six kids. Like, and the mom looked like she was fully functioning. She didn't seem like chronically depressed. All her body parts, like she was walking normally. Right. And I was just like, it's like, I don't even know where I would be at with six. 
And then I think that four is really close to six anyway. <laughs> I think that three, four, six, eight, I don't know. I think at that point, it's just completely overwhelming. Like, yeah. I don't know if there's like, I don't even know. When my two kids, like let's say my two older kids are away, like they're at school or camp or whatever. I've got just my two little kids. Yeah. I'm like, I got this. Like, this is nothing. Like, I, I re- and by the way, when I had two, it was completely overwhelming. But I was like, no, the, this is easy now. Like, these two guys, I'm in control of this. <laughs> I think when you get to that stage with children where there's more of them than your hands, you you just give up. You just have to surrender to the fact that you will never totally have it. It will outnumber you always. Yeah. It's like, I think, probably getting into one of those ice baths where you're like, completely uncomfortable and you just have to like Wim Hof breathe. You just have to like find find the space within this that is not uncomfortable and like be calm with it. And I think the chaos is just that. Like, I don't know. I don't think four is harder than three. That's I, the thing. I, that maybe that's it. You just give into the chaos and you're just like, you this is chaos. life. So let's not fight it. Because yeah. I do feel like a lot of the time, for me personally, and I don't know if it's three boys, I'm sure three girls would be the same. It's the fights that they have, the physical fights, the verbal fights. I constantly feel like I'm refereeing, never able to just sit and be. Oh, I'm with you. The fighting. It's the fighting. (laughs) You're like, come on. Get it together, man. I this literally say, fun. I just want you to love each other. I grew yeah. another one. We gave yeah. you another sibling to play with, to love. Why are you fighting? We brought you this toy. <laughs> play with it. <laughs> no, I know. And then, like, Rob and I will be really mean. I mean, we have quite a sarcastic household. So we'll just go because Team A are the two big kids and yeah. Team B team b are the, the littles and the littles tend to not fight as much as the bigs for whatever reason they just don't and we're like we'll be like we're gonna play with the new toys team b is way more fun <laughs> we just like constantly take the piss out of team a because they just like i don't know what it is but almost since the word go it's like everything's a fight and you're like come on man it can't be that bad. What it are they like can't. when they go out and about? Because mine, when we take them out of the house, they are really protective of each other. And it's kind of the opposite. They want to be together inside. If they are within arm distance or leg distance, there's physical contact. They are fighting. But outside, there's like this, I don't know, this protectiveness comes over them. I'm like, no, we don't have that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not good honestly, for you, no, but ours, not for me. Ours, they're consistent. No, here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. They will be like, best best friends and then they have these moments where it's like the sweetest thing ever and I think like if there's a big group of children that they don't know they stick together and, yeah. they're, they're, and they are loving and kind with each other they are they as as brutal as they are with each other they're just as like heart warmingly sweet with each other yeah it's just that there is so much of the fighting that happens that you're like come on get to the bit where you're nice (laughs) it's like this this is you know and then that's where you just I think that's the exhausting bit I think if they didn't fight I could handle all the other stuff but it's the fighting where sometimes you're just like in your head I think that's the other thing is like your inside voice has to be different from your outside voice yeah like in your head you're like for fuck's sake man Get your shit together. You can't actually like talk like that to your well, kids. Well, no, so, no. So like inside, that's what's happening. Like there's a really sweet, calm face, but I'm saying some really bad things in my head. <laughs> Do you know that sound a lot angrier than I am? Yeah. And then on the outside, I'm like, 
listen, you two really need to figure out how to come to a resolution. In my head, I'm screaming, <laughs> screaming. And then like, kumbaya on the outside, like, listen, <laughs> what's your part in this? What's your part in this? You know, you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, then there's the judgment. You're like, what a dick, Ida. I can't believe you're talking like this. You should just say what you're thinking. You know, it's like this whole dialogue. Like, I'm just afraid I'll traumatize them with my inside voice. <laughs> So what was your childhood like? Because you live mostly in LA now, don't you? Is that where you've always um, been? We kind of are like, I want to say, we live all over the world. I mean, to be honest, it's a circus all yeah. the time. So I don't know. I'm from LA and I consider LA home. And we right. spend a good amount of time there. But God, I don't know. I consider, you know, I love England. My kids are English and you know, I don't know. I don't know what home is. It's a re it's a really weird one. I hope we figure it out soon because it's getting tiring not knowing the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, I guess for schooling and stuff like that. When Yeah, well, we're homeschooling right oh, now. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's only by, you know, my kids have been in school in Switzerland and they've been in school. They've been in school in each country at some point in their lives in England and in L.A. You know, it's a tough one with Rob's job it requires him to be on the road a lot. Yeah. And I don't know. I, you know, it's really hard to figure out as a parent what's better. Do I, I mean, because I do believe kids need consistency, you know, full stop. But then, I don't know, breaking up the family unit is also not on my wish list of things to do. But then you've so offered do, them consistency by homeschooling. doesn't matter where you are. They still exactly. have that in place. So they have that same teacher. So I don't know. I think parenthood is, I don't know. I'm sure you probably feel like this is just one you know, ironic game of improv because you're just like, you're just like on that BOSU ball trying to figure out, you know, it's like something's thrown at you and you're like, oh, I think this is the answer. And like when your kids are fighting, this is how I handle it. <laughs> what was your childhood like in LA? I mean, madness, chaos. <laughs> I, are you from a big family? No, opposite. I'm the only child from my two parents. Right. My parents got divorced when I was two and a half. My dad was Turkish. So he went back to Turkey when I was three and a half. And I essentially really didn't see him after that. Right. Until I was 21. And then my mom got remarried to an American when I was five. Then she had my brother when I was about seven and a half. So I have my half brother who I consider my full brother. Yeah. He came when I was seven and a half. So it was weird because I spent a lot of time as an only child. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had this brother, you know, but I was kind of like, there was a moment in my childhood where it felt weird because my dad wasn't my dad. And I felt like this spare part when they had my brother. Right. Because it was like, well, my mom's got her new family. Mm. And I look different. I'm darker. You know, my brother was like blonde hair and blue eyed. Right. You know, and I was this like half Turkish thing that was, you know, like, but I didn't identify really at the time with being Turkish because I didn't, I wasn't being raised it, by yeah. that. I didn't know anything about it. So that was like a really strange transition. And I remember being very sad in that moment because I just felt like I didn't fit in. But then if I look back on it, I'm so grateful that I do have a sibling and that I did grow up with a brother and we're extremely close now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm grateful I have it. But I think it was because I was from such a small family that I wanted to have a big family when I ended up having a family. Right. You know, I don't know. That's the only way I can explain it. You know, and it was like I had my uncle lived in England so my cousins, I had two cousins, but they grew up, they're fully American, but they went to Eaton, are so posh sounding. <laughs> you know, like there's not one ounce of them that's English, but they're so English. So they were all over there. My grandmother lived in Paris. So I would visit her in Paris. 
So I never really felt super American because my whole family was in Europe, even though they were all American. Yeah. And I grew up in L.A., which was kind of a cool place to grow up. I mean, I was like a kid in the 80s. I just feel like L.A. in the 80s was like being in a movie. It really was. It was like all those things you think it would be. It felt big and anything was possible. And you had these big film stars. And, you know, and I was lucky enough where my mom was this independent film producer and by no means successful but I got exposed to the magic of movies and, you know, they take me to the movies all the time. And there were these experiences that just felt huge in my life. And I think that had impact on me growing up and what I wanted to do because mm. I, I got to grow up in that magic. And, you know, for me, the safe space was like Friday night and Saturday night was watching sitcoms like The Golden Girls yeah. or Cheers, you know, and then it became friends and, you know, Will and Grace. But there was always this really safe space of comedy. And I lived in this kind of magic world, which was Los Angeles, where all this creativity was happening. You know, you'd be at lunch with someone who was doing something and at dinner and you'd bump into this person. And I think it all felt real and possible. Whereas yeah. when I talked to Rob about his childhood, you know, he came from Stoke-on-Trent and there weren't pop stars or, no. you know, famous actors. So it's interesting because... In his head, that was something that was not achievable. Mm -hmm. You know, in my head, there was a delusion because the delusion lived all around me, you know? So growing up, up in L.A., I think people who are not from L.A. would think it's really weird to live in a city like L.A. I can't obviously compare it to not growing up there because it's all I knew. Yeah. But I do think there's so much dysfunction in growing up in L.A., but the one thing it has going for is this magic, this possibility. Well, so and many I, people move there. I think that's probably the thing that we hear about it so many people move there they become waitresses they do whatever job they can to follow their dreams to be in the place that magic can happen so it's interesting growing up there where the magic is and you use the word magic so yeah. you know rather than traveling there you were just in it yeah I was just in it and I think I was like the nice thing too was I was kind of unfazed by a lot of things like you know a lot of people come and I think people can come to LA and lose themselves a bit mm. because they because it is new and they feel like they have to be something else or they get so consumed by it or it's so all important to them. Whereas I think when you're lucky enough to grow up in it, you're quite bohemian about it. Like it's yeah. not a big deal. It just kind of is this like immersive foundation in you that just kind of like exists. So it was never, it was never something I had to strive to be or, or a way I had to be to fit in. And it was all quite normal. Like I went to yeah. high school there. I'd, we were normal high school kids and, you know, I did all the normal things normal kids did. I just did it in the backdrop of this kind of bizarro film set. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was a great childhood and I'm lucky because my mom, who's a hippie that went to Berkeley in the 60s, I mean, she's kind of like, I think I grew up in a little bit of an abfab moment where I was sadly saffy. And my mom, you know, I don't know. No one wants to be Safi, but no. I think I think Adina was my mom, and I was Safi. <laughs> and you know, so it, it was equally, you know, like fucked up and weird too. But I'm really grateful because my mom's, you know, her own creativity and her own dreams and her own own stuff that she pursued, the madness of all of that and the chaos. It was like there was never anything that was off limits for me to dream about, and my mom was always really open and accepting and non-judgmental of kind of anything I ever did. So that was a real nice, safe space Well, and her being that way, did it make you look forward to you as a mum and what you would be like as a parent or if you even wanted children? Well, that was more it. I think I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I could be a parent. 
In fact, there was a weird stage where all my friends in high school, because my mom was kind of, she was Adina, so it was kind of scary because I was like <laughs> the parent. And it was like, you know, that was intense at times. I think in high school, there was this moment where all my friends, we were graduating, were like, oh, I just can't wait to get married and have kids and da 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 And I was like, oh, I don't know. I felt this real like empty, oh, am I like, I don't know if I want to. I don't yeah. know, I don't, I'm not dreaming about that. And like, you, they'd see a baby and they'd go, oh my God, isn't that baby so cute? And it was like, there'd be like a puppy near it. I'd be like, oh, I think the puppy's kind of cuter. <laughs> you know, like I didn't feel anything for babies. Like I wanted to feel things for babies, but kind of had like numb baby space. Like yeah. it did kind of nothing for me. And I thought, God, that's so, especially as a woman, I thought, is there something wrong with me? Like, I don't know if I want to have babies. Like I'm not even, and I haven't been dreaming of a marriage I haven't, it's literally like, I don't know what the wedding dress is going to look like. I'm, I'm literally not there. And my friends were like that already in high school. And it made me feel like maybe something was wrong with me. And I always thought, gosh, I hope I want to have kids one day. Because I, I was never going to have them just to have them. Yeah. I was just not living in that fairy tale space. And so I really did. And then I don't know if it was the same with you, but like in your kind of mid-20s, some of your friends start to get married or engaged and I mean, at that point, I was like off a show, on a show. I think I'd like moved back in with my mom at that point. Like I felt like a full on loser. I was like, I don't have my shit together. Like I'm like half employed, half unemployed. I am not in a relationship with anyone I'm getting married to. And like you get these like, or you'd bump into them and they like show you the ring. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. you know, like Bobby and I are getting married next June. You're like, wow. And then you'd like go home and like eat a tub of ice cream and a bottle of wine and go like, I'm such a loser, mom. You know, like, 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 and my mom's friends, it was like this really weird environment because my mom had started to like rent out rooms to our house because she couldn't afford to keep the house on her own. So it was like, it was this really fantastic, amazing, dark, like mix it all up thing. So I had these like aunties basically, who are my mom's friends living in the house. And we literally, it was like the golden girls. We'd sit around the table, we'd drink wine. It was either, yeah, a tub of ice cream or like a jar of peanut butter. And they'd give me advice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it was like, it was literally, if I look back on it, it was, it was like the best and worst time at the same time. And it kind of all changed, you know, when I met Rob, I'd never been in love before. I'd never wanted to get married. You know, I dated people, but there was no one I wanted. Yeah. I just didn't feel attached to anyone that way. And at that point, my career had started to build up to a really nice level. And I just thought, do you know what? I think I'll be one of those people that's just really successful and the relationship thing doesn't happen and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to be all about my career and like, I'm going to be great at it. And that's just what I'm going to do. You know, and there was like a tinge of sadness about it, but also like determination. It's like, that's how it is. Yeah. Because, and then I met Rob. I mean, God, <laughs> shit. I met Rob and that all went completely topsy-turvy. Well, did you talk where, about kids straight away? No, no. I think Rob was very, I mean, Rob was like, I, there were so many red flags dancing around Robbie Williams's head that like, I remember looking at him going, oh, fuck, I think I'm going to fall in love with this boy. I kid you not, like something out of a cartoon, red flags were dancing <laughs> above his head. Like he was saying something really charming to me. And as he was talking, it could have been like, blah, 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 blah. Because the red flags were just dancing. I was like, oh, trouble, oh, trouble, oh, trouble, oh, trouble. And like, I just could feel myself that I was falling in love with this guy. And this, I had like, it was like hazard lights, like warning lights. 
like do not enter, you know, like 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 superheroes flying in trying to like catch me and go like Well, how do you did you know anything about Rob before you'd met? I knew nothing about Rob before we met. This is what they had told me. So we got set up mutually by a friend and they're like, we've got this great guy. And they said his name, by the way, and it was like, oh, that name sounds like something I've heard before. I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you a song, what he looked like, nothing, right? They're like, well, he's a, you know, he's a pop star, you know, and he's, you know, he's English and, you know, he's really lovely. <laughs> this is my favorite, but he's like, you know, he's kind of slightly off the wagon. I was like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Slightly off the wagon. I don't know anyone who's on the wagon. What, he's what hanging, is, what is... hanging on to it as it drives I was, Yeah, like, what does that mean? And I don't know how they convinced me to like, can we give him your number? And it was like, ugh. It was maybe like six hours of like beating me down to fine, okay. Because they're like, you're going to be perfect together. Yeah. Uh, okay, sure. Anyway, so this guy starts texting me and he's really funny, which by the way, first straight arrow into the heart, funny. You make yeah. me laugh, honestly. There's not much else you have to have going for you. <laughs> you just make me laugh. He's saying these funny things and we're texting. I'm like, okay, he's kind of funny. And his humor is different from anyone I've ever been texting with. So I was like, okay. So we make this plan. At this time, I'm on a show. So I'm working like 18 hours a day. I have zero free time, you know? And I get these texts at like midnight going like, do you want to meet up? And you'd be like, no, <laughs> fuck off. I'm not going to meet you at midnight. And by the way, I've got to get up in six hours for work. So it's a no. Like, yeah. it's just a straight up no. And he kept texting me. I was like, oh, this is no, this is just never going to work. Yeah. And then one day, I don't know what he called like in the afternoon and I had a, I had two days off, or I'd finished early that day and I had the next day off. And he called me, he said, do you want to go for lunch tomorrow? And I was like, yes, actually, I have a day off and let's go for lunch. That's wonderful. He's like, I'll call you in the morning. We'll set it up where we're going to go, blah, blah, blah. I said, great, wonderful. Never heard from him the next no! day. No! No, full-on ghost stand up. I was no. like, What? What? So, I mean, at that point, I'm like, I mean, what is the point of standing someone up that you've never met? That is, like, the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. There's zero points. There's, yeah. like, literally, like, just don't call them. Like, you should never stand anyone up. There's, don't make but the plan. But he contacted you to yeah. say, let's meet up for yeah. lunch. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all sorts of backwards. So then at that point, I'm like, okay, well, you're just done. Like, you're off the list. Like, yeah. you're so, you basically, I was almost laughing at it, but you're so stupid. <laughs> like, just don't. So anyway, I think it was, like, the next day I had an audition for something else and I bumped into the friend that set us up and he was like how was your lunch and I was like the guy never called I said he didn't show up he like bailed I was like done just done and I wasn't even like super angry I was just like the thing was comical to me because he had been such the pursuant yeah and then the ghoster and I was like it's just like literally a waste of your time so anyway so I was at the the pharmacy my local pharmacy later that day and I got a private caller I'm like I don't answer a private caller. I don't, I don't know in this world no. who answers unknown caller. Never. I mean, that's, that's a serial killer. Yeah. Like you're not, no, <laughs> no, no. Like that's either the government or a serial caller, a serial killer. And it's just go to voicemail. I checked the voicemail like right afterwards. And of course it's Rob. And he leaves some ridiculously funny voicemail. Like I can't remember what he did at the beginning, but then at one point he goes, to know me is to hate me, but you can't hate me till you know me. So you have to give me another chance. And I was like, oh, he made me laugh. Oh, it's annoying. So I called him. And then I don't know how we started talking again. And then we made plans. And I had some dinner party to go to. I said, do you want to come with me? And he said, no, I'd rather kill myself. He goes, but why don't we meet up afterwards? I said, I hear you. Okay, fine. We'll meet up right afterwards. 
And then my friends dropped me off at his house. It was, it's just so weird. Like, cause I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know anything. <laughs> We'd never met. And I'm in the back of their car, which was like, it was like a tiny sports car. And like, it's like, I'm a kid going to school with my lunchbox. They like drop me off and he like opens the car door and I like have to awkwardly crawl out from the back seat. Like, you know, like my friend, the seat pushes forward. I like kind of like, you know, and I'm not elegant at this point. I'm also wearing the least flattering dress because I had no expectations. And I had been spending the night at my friend's house and I had like nothing clean to wear except for some dress in the trunk of my car that someone had gifted me. Like, you know, there was like gifting suites, people gift you stuff. So somebody gifted me this dress, but it was like something out of like a handmaid's tail. It was like all wool. It was like black wool that went down to like my calves. It was long sleeves. It had a pooch. It had like a, wow. like a pocket, like a kangaroo pocket yeah. in it, like in case your hands were cold. Like this was not... I mean, it was January, so I was like, well, at least I'll be warm. But it was not the most flattering dress. So anyway, and I didn't have any makeup. And my friend's like, here, just use some of mine. She is like 10 shades paler than me. So it looked like, <laughs> it looked like I had some like, like, it had looked like I had porcelain on my face. It was just like, anyway, so I go into the house, which is very dark. It's like a very dark house. There's no lights on it. I'm like, what? This is weird. So then we like sit down and it was so awkward. Like, I had nothing to say to him. And I think he had nothing to say to me. And I thought, this is fucking weird. And I cracked some jokes. He likes to say that when I have had too much wine, I think I'm really funny. Right. So I had had some wine at this dinner party. So I guess I thought I was hilarious. And he was like, <laughs> she's not hilarious. And also, she doesn't look like the Google pick. Because so, apparently he Googled me. Meanwhile, I'm like, why is this house so dark? This is so weird. I'm in a strange man's house in, like, the shadows. So... I can't remember if he says, let's, should we go to the party that your friends are having? Or my friends call me. Either way, I like, call my friends and they're like, are you okay? It seems really weird in there. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. They're like, do you want to come back to the party? And I go, do you want to go to the party? And Rob, he's like, yes. I'm like, <laughs> okay, we'll come to you. Meanwhile, Rob's thinking that he's going to ditch me at this party. I, like, I don't obviously know that's the plan, but he's going to like take me to this party and then bounce. So I guess on this drive to this party, we just start talking and we just start cracking each other up. And he is in his head, I guess, switches from I'm going to ditch her to, oh, this chick's pretty funny. Mm. So by the time we arrive at the party, we both actually like each other. Like, That's I'm good. not saying I'm like into him, but like, I like him. He's not freaking me out anymore. So anyway, we get to this party, which is like a whole nother story, which I cannot say on a podcast. It's more <laughs> like a behind closed doors moment. But anyway, we get to this party. It's quite strange. And then we're talking and we're on this couch. I'll never forget it. And we're talking. And all of a sudden, it was like I had known in my whole life. It was the weird, it was like a, it was like the universe opened up. Honestly, it was like a spiritually profound moment where he was saying something and I was saying something. And it was like gust of air went in me. Like everything opened up. There was just like this universal understanding of like, he totally understands me. And I totally, like, it was like, I understood this soul and this soul understood me in, in, a, in a complete way that was just like, <gasps> whoa, to the point where if it hadn't have been so weird, I would have said, did you just feel that? It was like a strike. It was really? like a full on moment, moment, like, I see you, you see me. It was the weirdest thing, right? But I didn't say anything because that would make me seem <laughs> like a psycho. So like, I didn't like, whatever. So that doesn't happen. Then at some point, there's like, everyone's like, let's get into the jacuzzi. This girl, she's like, let me lend you my, my bathing suit, right? 
And meanwhile, thank God for her, she has like the sexiest bikini. It was like an Ursula Andress bikini, right? Which to this day, she'd offered to give me and I didn't take because I'm like funny like that. I'm like, no, no. So she gives me this bikini that is amazing. I walk down, if you hear Rob talk about it, he's like, I already fell in love with her when I thought she was like overweight in this chubby dress. <laughs> he's like, because he did, he thought, well, she, you know, that's, that's not what I signed up for. But now he already likes me in this kangaroo dress with the pooch in the Handmaid's Tale look. And he thinks, you know, I might be, I might have a lot of junk in my trunk and he's into it. He's super into it. And I come down and I'm like ripped in this Ursula Andress bikini, like fully in like, you know, before I had kids, you know, like I'm on fleek mode. And he is like, whoa. And so I come down the thing in the bikini and he is like, if you hear him talk about it, he is like, this chick's hot. <laughs> but he already liked me when he thought yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah. So, But so, how did you get from this like strange beginning of like actually discussing starting a family together? Okay, so well, it didn't happen on the first date. It definitely didn't happen on the first date. And I would say for the first few months, Rob was, for, listen, he was not in a good way. I quickly learned what off the wagon meant. Yeah. It didn't end well for him that date. And I then came home and I took care of him and that was a stage in his life. Yeah. But I think for the first many months of our relationship, he said, I don't want to get married and I don't want to have any kids. Right. And that was like, that started to get heartbreaking when I was really in love with him. You know, naturally, when you fall in love with someone, those are thoughts that you have. You start to go, oh, I do want to start a life with this person. I do want to create lives with yeah. you. It was the first time I had wanted that. It was a real natural progression for me. And he was just adamant that wasn't going to happen. So I think it was, let's see, we were together three years before he proposed. And I think in his head, that's how long it took him to even come around to that concept. And by the way, there were like three breakups before that. Like right. There was some real rock and roll, tragic, I'm crying at night moment. Yeah. But he got there after the third breakup. Then I think he was ready, but it was funny because we got engaged. I was not allowed to mention the word wedding. He was like, <laughs> like, I remember like, like two weeks later, because we got engaged on Christmas, my girlfriend gave me like wedding magazines and I brought them into the house and he was like, what's that? Oh, Casey just gave me wedding magazines. He went, who said anything about a wedding? And I was like, ah! <laughs> my heart sank. And I was like, is this a false? He goes, he goes, you got the ring, so just calm down. I was like, oh, 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 oh. It's like a fake engagement. And so we were literally, like the word wedding, it was like a trigger word. We could not bring up the word wedding. And I was starting in my head to think, well, is this just a freaking ring? Because that's yeah. like, this is not okay. I'll give it back. And then all of a sudden, my birthday, so this is like five or six months later, he took me on a boat for my birthday as a surprise. And he gave me a watch. And on the watch, in the card, it said, set a date, shipmate. And I thought because it was a roll-up watch where you had to set the date, that's what he was talking about. And then he was like, no, you know what that means. I'm like, what, to, to set the watch? He was like, no, let's set a date to get married. I was like, what? It was just like out of nowhere. And then it was like literally the next day, it was like, oh, actually, the work schedule is really busy. And actually, the only date you can get married <laughs> is August 7th, which is in like six weeks from now. <gasps> We leave in a week and we're going to be gone for a month and we'll arrive like a week and a half before the wedding. Like, oh what? my gosh. And also, I didn't want to tell anyone because I was so afraid it would get out. I didn't, and yeah. what if it didn't happen? And anyway, so I literally picked my dress out like that day, the next day. I had a week 
before we left to pick everything out. I picked the cake, I think. I didn't know. I just called the florist. Like, you know, it was just like, and what was hard about it was I couldn't tell my mom because they were like, you can't tell anyone. You can't tell anyone. And so I was like, God forbid my mom blows the secret. Like, I can't tell anyone. So we basically invited people to 20 years of music or 15 years of music party, James Bond themed. The reason we did James Bond, I was like, if someone shows up to my wedding in fucking Tommy Bahama shorts and flip flops, I will be very upset. So we had to make it like black tie, but no one knew when they came to our wedding that it was our wedding. Wow. I wasn't bridezilla. I wasn't anything. I didn't even have time. I mean, we got there and the wedding was in a week and a half. I was like, oh, that's what the cake looks like. Oh, that's what the flowers look like. It was, (laughs) you know, and the only thing that was a bummer was like, I guess someone found out about the wedding the day of or the day before. And all of a sudden there were like helicopters over our house. So then all of a sudden at the last minute we had to cover the whole thing because- Uh. You know, they were getting, so that was a bummer. But it was kind of amazing. I had the dogs as my bridesmaids. You know, it was one big sleepover at our house. It was small, and I knew everyone so intimately. And it was like, yeah, one big sleepover jam. It was really nice. That's lovely. But there wasn't, like, when I read about, we didn't have an engagement party. There was no bridal shower. There was no, like, we didn't even have a honeymoon because Rob had to start working, like, the next day. It was a real, so I was like, we were talking about doing a 10-year, a 10-year, I have to say, reunion, a renewal, vowel, vowel renewal, but then COVID happened and we couldn't do it. And so we keep talking about dooming something because, you know, my mom's got Parkinson's and she got cancer during the pandemic and Rob's dad has Parkinson's and his mom's, you know, older also. And I, I was like, and my dad has passed away since I got married. Mm. And I was like, I really want to have a wedding where we get to really involve the family and now we have kids and properly do the thing like I want the bridal build up I want that moment I don't know if that's I don't know if that's silly we've been 12 years now married I don't know if it's like pointless but yeah I kind of want that moment because it was so special but it was so rushed yeah and I kind of want to marinate in it because it is such a like I don't know about your wedding with Tom but like I don't even think you realize how special it is till you look back on it yeah Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What was it like actually getting him into the family side of things. Then I think I just forced him. Then I think I just strong-armed him. <laughs> We're married then now. I, married now, you have no fucking choice. We will have kids. You will impregnate me now. You will impregnate now, sir. Um, I think it was like, it probably took him a year to like, I think poor Rob realized he'd, he'd lost the battle and the war on that one. 
I think, yeah, it was probably a year, a year and a half. I'm trying to think. We were married two years before I got pregnant. We did, like, just enjoy ourselves yeah. in that space. And I did let him adjust to, you know, I think he was so afraid of being married for so long. And then he saw that marriage was not so scary. Yeah. So then I needed to let the idea of being a parent marinate with him. And then there was just like a, yeah, the poor guy had no choice. I was like, we are having kids. <laughs> well, what was it like when you found out you were pregnant with Teddy? It was amazing. We got pregnant in Moustique. I know exactly where we got <laughs> pregnant. In fact, Teddy was so grossed out because so this is way too much TMI. But it was like moonlit and it was on a rock. <laughs> and so when I found out I was pregnant, because we were there for a couple of weeks, I actually took a picture I took a picture on the rock and then the next year we brought Teddy and we're all in like matching prints. And I took a picture of Teddy on the rock with mommy and daddy. And she was like, oh, when she finally was old enough to figure out what the picture was. I love that so much. Totally grossed out. And I will totally do that. Like at her 18th party too, I'll bring out the photo. <laughs> it was one of those funny ones. I don't know about you, but when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I was so excited. Then I was like totally terrified because I was like, oh my God, it's, it's happened. It's in there. Something's in there. And then, like, I remember I, like, took the test. And, like, after I took the test, I had to, like, we had friends with us. And I didn't want to tell anyone. And I, like, went to go look for my shoes. And I walked out, like, I have to stand up to kind of shave. I walked out, like, kind of like a cowboy. Because I kind of thought, like, it was going to fall out of me, like, if I, if I moved too fast. So I, like, walk out to get my shoes. And I'm walking out really funny. And my friends are like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just looking for my shoes. They're like, you're walking really funny. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. And I just literally like came back into the room where Rob was. I was like, oh my God, I just acted so weird. <laughs> but it was like that weird thing. You know, when you're pregnant and like, you can't feel anything, you can't yeah. hear anything, but you know, something's in there. And I was instantly so excited and totally terrified. Mm -hmm. Cause like now this thing was happening. Like this thing, I had no idea what it was, was definitely in there and going to happen. <laughs> it was amazing. And I called my mom and I did the thing. Were you worried about telling people or were you someone who was just very, like, yeah. No, no, I didn't tell anyone for three months at all. Because again, you know, you didn't, I don't know. Did you tell people when you were pregnant or did you? No, I had a miscarriage first time around. So the second time, so when I was pregnant with Buzz, I kind of just wanted to keep it a little bit in. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to keep it till I knew I was over the mark with mm. Teddy. And also like, you know, it's like in a public space where things are written about you, I was like, what I didn't want to happen was to have to relive, if I did miscarry, relive that yeah. on a public level, you know, because that would have been too painful. So, so no, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone at all until we got over the mark. And then I started to tell people. But I remember being so, like, nauseous and sick with Teddy. Oh, my God. It was awful. And all I did was read Harry Potter. That was the moment I read <laughs> Harry Potter. I went through all of them. I just sat in bed and read Harry Potter and like Did you feel sick all day long, or the whole pregnancy or the first trimester? I felt what was annoying because I felt, I probably would start to feel sick in the afternoon, like around 1 p.m. Right. Till the rest of the day. That was just it every single day. And then I started to feel better. Four months, I would say, I kind of like felt better. But then by like five and a half months, I was diagnosed with diabetes. So I was like, damn it. Like I've had one month of eating fun stuff. And now, now, I mean, all I could eat was like bread and cheese, bread and cheese. No. <laughs> I couldn't eat meat. I could And then all of a sudden I couldn't even eat bread and cheese because I had diabetes. So it was like, ugh. So I how did even that get affect to... you? Did it make you really tired? Yeah, it made me really tired. I had to prick myself you know, four times a day, every day and check my blood. I couldn't eat. Like it was hard because I was pregnant in the summertime. 
there will be like this fruit would be out like watermelon yeah. and like cherries and all this fun stuff and I couldn't I couldn't have any of that or if I could I had to count it up and that was my like you know I could have like one you know like one little cube of watermelon but I had to eat it with chicken breast you know yeah. and I'm like and I remember getting to England because at some point we switched plans and then it was like I think it was in six and a half months Rob's like we've got a you're gonna have to give birth in England I'm like what I'm gonna have to give I didn't even have a doctor there I didn't have you know so I like went over to England and found a doctor and did that whole thing. But then it was like I discovered Mr. Whippy's in the park. <laughs> Just like the best thing ever when you're pregnant. So I realized if I had a Mr. Whippy with one flake, but I had like a bag of almonds and I walked for 20 minutes while I had the flake <laughs> and Mr. Whippy and almonds, I could keep my blood sugar okay. So like that would be my treat was like waddling through the park with a Mr. Whippy and a bag of almonds. And like I would just be doing laps in Hyde Park. Just like dropping that blood. I once had a friend brought over, she was pregnant and she brought over Chinese food and she brought over like the healthiest things for me. But still, whatever they put in those sauces, man, I spiked up so badly. There I was, went on the treadmill like barefoot. It was like 11 p.m. and I just like walked for 20 minutes to drop my blood. Like, you know, there were moments like that, you know, and with Charlie, I was better prepared. I had diabetes again, because that's just apparently what happens is I have, I get diabetes. But I was a little more prepared for it this time. I was like, okay, it's just going to be a bunch of almonds and chicken for me. And I had my, like, Mr. Whippy set up. And, like, <laughs> there were moments. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was hysterical. There were many moments of me. Or, like, like when I did the baby reveal cake thing. I'm like, I'm having the cake. And <laughs> yeah. so I'd have the cake, but then I'd be walking on that treadmill. I can just... imagine the treadmill just been placed at the side of the party. So you could like, just totally, the cake totally. and be on the treadmill at the same time. Too lazy and too big to put sneakers on. Because like at that point, bending over to put the sneakers on was just not an option. So I would just be walking barefoot. Like it was just like, Rob would come down, he'd be like, hi, boo. Sorry about this, boo. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> just be like walking. It was like, it's like anything for cake. I'll just do this. This is fine. <laughs> this is totally fine. What was your birth experience like? Because I had diabetes with all my pregnancies, they always had to induce me because yeah. they wouldn't let me go. I had started to go into natural labor with Teddy, not with Charlie at all. Charlie was like, I'm staying. But with <laughs> Teddy, I had started to go into labor, but they had to break my water. With both of them, they had to break my water. But the water breaking, very uncomfortable, mm. very uncomfortable. But they had to give me the Pitocin, which is which is not nice, with the thing to speed up. It's not nice. I did the gas and air for about six hours, which was fine. Rob did try and steal most of my gas and air. And my mom <laughs> and mother-in-law were in the room. And honestly, they were treating it like it was a hookah. And I was like, guys, I am actually having a contraction right now. Can you please hand it back? There were many contractions that it was just being passed around. I was like, guys, over here. No, well, you've missed it now. You've missed it. So, but it was nice because Rob was in the room. My mother-in-law, my mother, although this is what's so weird. My mother-in-law was, was filming it from the business end. No. Yes, she filmed it. And weeks later, so anyway, I'll go. Okay, so the birth itself was fine. I pushed Teddy out in like six pushes. Oh, wow. But this is the problem. No, but this is the problem. They, you know, if you tell me bear down as hard as possible, like I, I come from an athletic background. Like I will bear down hard. And I did not realize that like it's maybe better to like not get it done as quickly as possible <laughs> because I had second degree tears afterwards, uh-huh. which is awful just awful and like Rob kept going down there to look and I was like do not go down to the business end do not you stay here with me 
So anyway. Look into so, my eyes. Don't not, look don't, my eyes. Don't. do not do that. Do not go down there. Anyway, he was like, wow, babe, wow. And I'm like, no, stop, stop. So anyway, my, mo- my mother-in-law's filming it. Rob's looking at it. Did she like, tell oh, you God. that she was going to film it? I like, I definitely think at some point that we talked about her filming it, at some, but I didn't okay. know she was going to be graphically pointing to that, that <laughs> zone. I kind of thought it was going to be more of a like atmosphere general, filming yeah. <laughs> general, but like I was kind of not focused on that part of the, of the process. Yeah. So like, I didn't realize it until many weeks later, I had to put myself on tape for something and I used my camera to put myself on tape and I loaded the video into the computer <laughs> to load and there was so much data that it got like stuck and it was loading up the pictures and the footage from the birth, and it got <gasps> stuck on Teddy crowning out of me. And I was like, Ooh. oh, and like it was stuck for like five minutes with the spinny wheel. No. And there I am, like anaconda, with like, I didn't even know that's what my vagina looked like when that was happening. Oh my Thank God. Gosh. And the head's coming out, and I'm like, oh. Oh, and I couldn't get it off my screen. And I think I had someone next to me. I was like, it was like literally stuff. I was like so traumatized. I was like, that's what it looks like. And I love the it. The wheel thing, of death on the computer showing you the yeah, ring of fire of birth. But literally <laughs> the snake has like, you know, dislocated its jaw to eat the rat. Like whatever, however we do that with our bodies, yeah. I don't even know. But like, yeah, that was freaky looking. And it was terrible because I went and I gave birth and it was, besides that, it was amazing. Look, it was, it was an easy birth in terms of, you know, Teddy had no complications. I was very lucky. I had a great experience. The, obviously the tearing was not my favorite, you know, and they kind of like, the recovery of that is really hard. And like, they send you home with like a little donut pillow. No one tells you about like, I'm very open with my girlfriends about my birthing experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, it's very sore down there and you've got this little pillow and you can't like get up you know it's like a whole and they give you a little sits bath and you're like spraying and icing and you're like oh my god you're like leaking from everywhere and the milk's coming in and that's painful it's like it's a whole situation and I remember I got back from the hospital and Rob was on I think he was on Graham Norton and he describes the birth on grammar. And I'm literally like sat there in the living room going, I wonder what daddy said. And we sat there and he describes it. He's with Emma Thomas. And he said, they said, did you go? Did you look down there? And did, did you, you know, Rob's like, yeah. I went and I looked at it. He's like, it was like watching my favorite pub burn down. And no, I was like, he didn't ah! use that phrase. Oh, he used gosh. that phrase. And he used that phrase. Not only was it in the papers then, but then Emma Thompson used it for Bridget Jones' diary, <laughs> and it's now in a movie. Yeah, it was like watching my favorite pub burn down. That is how Rob described my vagina. May, I May. think I think May. I have used that quote in one of yeah. my in one of yeah. my books. Yeah, that's Robbie Williams' "Re My Vagina Post Birth." I was oh. like, eh. I was like. I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> I mean, well, you were at home with a swollen, bruised fanny. Totally. Like, my fanny was so huge and beaten down. And I was like, we do not need this right now. It was, yeah. You're literally okay. sitting in the rubble in that I'm moment. Literally, I'm literally in the rubble at the moment. Like, I'm like literally putting, like, cooling spray. There's a rubber ring. There's a bath. There's yeah. a pad. There's, there's I, I might have even had a double pump going on at the same time. I was like... <laughs> I could not feel less desirable and attractive right now. Do you know what I've heard since giving birth, since starting the podcast, is that people, I'd never known about this, people wet pads, like sanitary pads, and put them in the freezer. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. That is fucking clever. Yeah. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. 
What is the age gap between Team A? Okay, so Teddy and Charlie are two years apart exactly. Right. And then I went through a lot of fertility issues and struggles and blah, blah, blah. Team B, Coco was born. I think Charlie was three and a half. So there's Teddy must have been six and a half. Wait, no, no, no. She was six. No, he was three and a half. And she was five and a half when Coco was born. Mm. And then Bo is born 18 months later. So I want to say Teddy is about seven and a half years older than Bo. Right. Teddy's turning 10. Charlie's turning eight. Coco is just turned four and Bo is two. I read a post about your dad recently about his death and you saying how it has made you sad, but it's also made you look at the family around you and what and yeah. what you do have and the love that ultimately comes from our parents. I, I do think that death does that to us. It kind of, it's sad, but it makes us reassess and look and be grateful for all the love that's totally. in our lives because they brought us into the world. You know, him being gone sucks. And he actually died when I was eight and a half months pregnant with Charlie. And it was, it shocked me to the core. But God, I just think he's given me this life. My mom's given me this life. And I'm so lucky because my life is so full of love. Mm. You know, I've really, and I really do appreciate it more, you know, because you understand what it feels like to not have it, yeah. you know, when it gets taken away. Um, so in that sense, he's, yeah, he's given me more love in that aspect because I feel more of what's around me. Yeah. If you were to write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to Ugh. and what would you say? God, that's a tough one. If I were to write a letter on a motherhood, who It can would be, it be to, to anyone, anything. I mean, I wrote letters to my phone, to my breast pump, to my boobs, to my family. Oh, fanny. God, those are yeah, good all, ones all too. Kinds. I mean, my breast pump would definitely get a shout out. Actually, it wouldn't even be my breast pump. It'd be that bra the strapless bra that allows you to like hold a cup of tea or hold your phone while you pump. Cause yeah. like I didn't have one of those at the beginning. And then once I discovered the bustier, yeah. you know, on Amazon uh -huh. where you can put both the pumps on at the same time, the yep. electric situation mm -hmm. and not use your hand and it just holds you that, that would definitely get a shout out that bustier. <laughs> Who would I write the letter to? God, I don't know if I'd write it to myself just to reassure me that whatever I'm doing is good enough or my mom or my grandmother who have done it so beautifully before me. God, who would I write it to? Or maybe I'd write it to my daughters who will hopefully one day have kids and let them know that whatever their journey is, the right journey and they're gonna be amazing at it. Or maybe it'd be to all the moms because we're all in this together and God, we're strong and it's not an easy job and we all, balance things and juggle things the best way we know how and we're we're all in a in a moment of guessing yeah. and and guessing with our best intentions mm. I don't know can I can I write all those letters you can write all those letters I'll, I'll give and you also all of them. can I write a letter to Rosé because it's gotten me through some moments <laughs> as well first said it I was like in my head going who's Rosé oh <laughs> she's been a very very helpful little lady in my life the last time we spoke, we were talking about getting into a, a very dark cardboard box together. And yeah, just, when are we going to do that? Yeah, just sipping on wine. 
Just a straw of wine, endless. When are we doing that? Well, we have the packing cubes. I'm willing to get into a packing cube as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, the packing cubes are the best thing ever. Right? I've recently recorded Ida's podcast and we were talking about packing cubes, which I use for trek. So when I go off, I have my trousers in one so it's easier yeah. from camping to have everything. I know where everything is. But Ida does it for the kids and she has mm-hmm. different everything. Everyone's got their initials on it. So everyone's labelled. I, I literally went on Amazon that day, ordered right. different colours. I felt really good about that. It changed your life, right? It it changed my life. It's such, honestly, I felt really good about packing. I knew I had everything. Yeah. Everyone was organised. When we got there, we were just like, buzz, red bags, buddy, blue yeah. bags, Max, big yeah. bags. It was so easy. We finished the podcast with you finishing these three sentences. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. The okay. first one. It's a lot of pressure. Okay. What's I know. I like one? to get everyone nice and relaxed during the podcast. And then all of a sudden they feel like they're doing a test. So they're like, oh! Dumped me in, I feel like I'm doing a test. Right. Okay, okay, okay. Being okay. a mum means? Being a mum means being permanently tired. I'll take that. <laughs> Is that good? Okay. That's good. Since having children, I? Since having children, I? Well, I've got two that just popped in my head. I am more patient than I thought I ever could be. Nice. And I also know all the words to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> it's when you put them to bed and you go downstairs and you're still watching it. Like That's what I mean. Later. I have it playing in my dreams. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it plays all the time. Like, all the time. Um, like, I know it more than any of any of Rob's songs. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I get, like, this is something like, I get told off about, not knowing McFly lyrics. I do not know all the lyrics to Rob's songs. Mm. And sometimes I'll be at a concert singing along and the fans will be there and they just start saying, and I'll be like, um, oh, it's not boring. <laughs> and I know they're looking I at me. And it's I not like, just me. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no. Don't, don't know. Hands up. Don't know all. I know most of them. I know most of them. By the way, my mom, this is even better. When we did the progress tour, mom came to every single show, which was 36 shows. Wow. And she thought, so she knows the songs. She thought back for good, where they say, I want you back. Yeah. She thought the lyrics were, watch your back. <laughs> Slightly different. <laughs> like, it's quite nefarious. Kind of like stalkery bad. I don't know watch your you back. Thought. Watch your back. Watch your back. Watch your back for good. And then, and then also thought that when she had to name all of the members of the band, she said, Howard Duck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. But Watch Your Back is what she thought was the biggest, you know. I, I will be singing that now forever. Watch Your Back. Watch, watch Your back. back. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I love it. I love it. Gwen's worse than I am on lyrics. But yeah, I at least know the lyrics to that song. <laughs> and finally, the final yeah. sentence to finish okay. is. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. I'm happy when. I'm happy when I'm with my kids. Not all the time when they're screaming, when they're, no matter what. It's like they will do something really terrible, but at the end of the day, they do something really sweet, and it is always the best part of my day. Yeah. And that's so cheesy. I'm also happy when I put them to bed. <laughs> and your friend Rosé's come back. And my friend, my, yeah, my girlfriend Rosé comes for a little chit-chat afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm happiest when I'm with my kids. That's, that doesn't mean a blanket statement like when Team B or Team A is screaming at each other, but I just really ancestrally want to be around them all the time. Like when they leave home for school, like when they go off to college, I, I literally don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Mm. Like I, I need them like near me. Mm. 
Ida, thank you so much, so much for coming on and chatting today. It's been lovely. Thank you for having me. I always love talking to you. I know. Next time we're doing this in person. We're fully doing this in person. We'll invite Rosé. Can we invite Rosé? Yeah. Honestly, she's a good time. Is she? She's a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, yeah. And she comes, she doesn't even need to be hot. She's great cold. Oh, So it's perfect. Good. Yeah, yeah. So she can't even be ruined by parenthood because she comes cold. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your day. I will. You too. Thank you for having this chat with me. Thank you. And I'm I'm sending you all big, big cuddles. Speak soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.